listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. John says this, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. If you're wondering where the word of life is, the person he's talking about is Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3. That which we have seen and we had heard, we proclaim to you that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, bless your word. Uh, may you bring your spirit upon this place to bring us truth. Um, give us wisdom as we look at this and find out what is it that you're talking to us today. It's no accident that we're any of us are here in this place right now. Lord, help us to understand what you would have us to receive and know about you and to learn about loving God, loving people, and loving life. In Jesus' name, amen. So we all have these heroes that, that maybe we've never met or, or imagine what it may be like to be friends with them. Um, there's... Uh, Larissa's always telling me things like, she's like, I want to go to the Janet Jackson contest. I, I'm telling you, if, if I went to the concert with Janet Jackson, uh, I know we would be BFFs. You know, and, it, and so she says things like that all the time. I recently saw a social media post that asked, if you can have dinner with anyone in the past or present, alive or dead, who would it be? Who would it be for you? Don't answer that question, it's rhetorical. Uh, who would it be for you? A past uh, president, uh, a relative you ever met, a rock star, a celebrity, a, a theologian, uh, Alexander the Great, someone like from history, Moses, Napoleon, king or queen of England, uh, sports hero, favorite coach, uh, maybe if you're a fisherman like me a little bit, uh, maybe it'd be Bill Dance, I don't know. Uh, but who would that be? You know, we all think about it that way. Sometimes folks, when you ask a question like that, are even bold enough to say, Jesus that they would love to have dinner with Jesus Christ himself. Well, John, the author of the letters that we were looking at today, as one of the 12 disciples, not only had dinner with Jesus once, but he did so over and over again for three years. And when we think about that, we might have a lot of questions uh, for someone like John about Jesus, right? Someone that hung out with Jesus as much as he did. You know, what was Jesus like, John? What did he look like? What, what jokes or what conversation did y'all share at the dinner table? Uh, did he have body odor? <laughs> what did he wear? So many questions, right? See, not long after Jesus died and came back from the dead, resurrected, and left earth, people had a lot of questions. And it was the disciples' job, like John, to answer not only answer those questions, but also to defend what was true, to explain to the people who Jesus was and what his mission was while he was here. But from the time that Jesus left, people made up a lot of stuff about Jesus that wasn't true. And there's a lot of rumors that started. 
They were saying things that were simply false about Jesus, which put the disciples in a place of not only having to tell the truth, but defend the truth, and then having to point out people that were in error, and even people that were going around the church and saying, no, you're a false teacher. See, this is one of the reasons that John writes the letters that we're going to be looking at in the next few weeks. It's the same in our day as it is in John's day. There's a lot of error. A lot of people trying to impose what they think Jesus should be like versus what he was. So what did John promote and how did he defend Jesus? We're going to be looking at that not only today, but over the next few weeks. And so we're going to look at three points, and those points are in the order of worship today. We're going to talk about looking to the past. We're going to talk about life in the present, and then we're going to talk about joy in the future. So let's look at, uh, look at looking to the past. Look at verse 1. He says, That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. See, G, uh, John doesn't uh, give an intro here. He just kind of gets right into it with this letter. A lot of letters are written specifically to um, um, churches. This is one of those general letters that were written to a lot of different churches at the time because a lot of churches were dealing with some of the same things. And he starts off here by saying, in the beginning is where we need to start. Is he talking about Genesis in the beginning, like the Bible? Or is he talking about uh, in the beginning when we first met Jesus? I would say a little bit of both. If you remember when John started his book, the Gospel of John, he talked about the idea that um, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word came in the flesh. And so, either way, whether you think it's in the beginning of Genesis or that, he's basically saying, here's the thing, we know Jesus better than anybody else as the twelve disciples. We were there, we saw him, we lived day to day, we touched him, we hugged him, all these things. All these things that we're saying, he's building credibility to say, and he's saying, so listen to what I'm saying. And compare that to what you may be hearing, what people think about Jesus. I've had uh, several car accidents in my life. Uh, some of them my fault, most of them other people's fault, or in my mind, other people's mm -hmm. fault. Uh, but here's the thing. I always thought after the police had to fill out the accident report, sometimes that could be the hardest thing in the world to try to figure out, especially if you have a police officer coming in and there's two people both saying the other person is at fault. It's like the old episodes of Cop, you know, it's like one thing happens but the whole cop, the rest of the episode, is them talking to other people individually trying to find out the truth. You never notice there's a pattern to those. There's two sides to every story, right? But what are they always taking? They're taking the first account witnesses, those take priority. They don't go around town and say, hey, what did y'all hear about the accident? They're not asking, calling my cousin up and saying, hey, what did James tell you about what did happen and didn't happen? Then first account witnesses take priority. Uh, it's like the old Dragnet TV series, right? Uh, when Joe Friday comes in, he's like, just the facts, ma'am. Uh, that's what we're talking about. See, after Jesus had left, people were speculating, they were postulating who Jesus was. And instead of listening to the apostles or going back to the people that knew Jesus the best, they began to put their own ideas of who they thought Jesus should be or and wanted Jesus to be and was in their mind. Or they took other ideas from culture. 
that would say, oh yeah, this is what God should look like and this is what Jesus should look like. And so they came up with the conclusion like Jesus wasn't really human. A God, a God would never be human. If, if, if God came in earth, uh, you know, the material world is bad and, and he wouldn't come in the flesh and be corrupted by that. And so they were actually teaching that he was deity but not humanity. And Jesus, and John just fat out saying, you didn't see him. You didn't hang out with him like we did. We touched him. I mean, even you remember uh, the idea that, that, um, that Thomas, when uh, Jesus came to him, and he said, no, no, I don't believe this is the resurrected. I don't believe you're in the flesh, Jesus, resurrected. He's like, come, come put your, your fingers in the, in the holes that the nails made in my hand. John's saying, we were there with him, and he was the word, and he was life. And that's the only reason that he's starting here of saying the idea of God is in the flesh. The word is of God, and God was in the flesh, and it was in Jesus Christ. But what does it really matter? So what if somebody thinks that Jesus wasn't fully human? Does it really matter? Well, John's saying it does, that truth matters. And that's going to be one of the things that we talk about. Truth changes everything. Let's look at point two here, life in the present. Life was made manifest. He's talking about Jesus' life was revealed, made manifest, testified to it, and proclaimed to you an eternal life that was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that we, which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. Why? So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his son Jesus Christ. And so he's saying, the reason I'm even talking about this is, this is who the Father is. This is who the Son is. And we have fellowship with him. And we want you to enjoy the same fellowship we have. And the truth matters. It matters that you know why Jesus came. So why did Jesus came? What is it important to understand the truth about Jesus? See, nowadays people have the idea, they like the idea, that we can come of all different beliefs and our core values with people that we don't know and we can get up from the table and cling to peace and love and truth really doesn't matter to do those things. And I desperately want to, I, I, I'm in love with that idea. I wish that was so. Now, don't get me wrong. We are called to treat everybody as human beings. We're called to love on everybody. That's not what I'm saying here. But at the end of the day, everybody at the table can't be right. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, like we said, truth really does matter. Now, John is saying it matters because of true fellowship. If we're really going to unite in a deep way, and this is the rub, and this is why it matters right here in our church and not just in John's day. If we, We've got to believe the truth and we've got to cling to that same truth where you are able to help people and hold them accountable in an authentic way. It can only be realized if we share the same beliefs. Here's what I mean. I'm saying, if I or someone in the church is doing something wrong or teaching something false, if we don't believe the same thing, then it's my word against yours. That's what it amounts to. And I can come up here and teach the wrong things all the time, and you can say they're wrong. If truth doesn't matter, then everybody's happy. But if we agree that the Bible's, the words of the Bible are true, you have a right to come to me and say, James, the way you're acting and what you're teaching is wrong. And by the way, I welcome that. I've said that more than one occasion. I'm fallible. I'm, I'm messed up. 
Like I'm a human being like everybody else. I need accountability. If you see something that bothers you like, James, that doesn't make sense, and I've had people come talk to me, and I love those conversations because I need that accountability in my life, and we all need that. And think about it. What if I'm a false teacher? How would you know? How would you know? Unless you know the words of the Bible, unless you understand who Jesus really is, you don't know if I'm a false teacher or not. Maybe I'm a, I'm a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm not pretty enough to be a wolf in sheep's clothing. But, but John said, take the words that you hear, the things you see, against the witnesses and the words of the Bible, against Jesus Christ, because those are the words of life. See, every time... Every time we're thinking about that, it's hard in some ways because no matter if you agree with these words or not, and as a pastor all the time, there's things I preach to you that I wish weren't true. I mean, in some ways. I'm like, these are hard words. I don't even want them to be the truth. Like, I don't even want to apply them to myself. But I don't have a right to say whatever I want to do because, as John said, the words of life will help you thrive. The words of life are the things that will, will move us into fellowship and ultimately, not just fellowship together, where we can hold each other accountable and share life and approach each other and love each other through things. But he says at the end here, but also joy. That's the last point. Number four, join the, I mean, join the future. Number four, and we are writing these things. Why is he saying all this? Why is he doing all this? So that our joy may be complete. Here, John states his overall purpose of why he even talked about any of the things that we talked about today. So joy can be in our lives. See, why is John writing? To stir things up? Nope. To divide everybody around him? No. To prove that he is right and others are wrong? No. Right? You notice how many people today talk about truth? That they don't care if people are united or have joy as long as they're right and other people are wrong? That's not what he's doing here. He knows that if he proclaims truth and represents truth well and Jesus well, it will bring about joy in people's lives. Whether it's, whether it's popular or not, whether they want to hear it or not. Is he talking about his joy as a disciple? Yes. Is he talking about our joy of people that understand that? Yes. Is he talking about us in the congregation here at Chelsea Press? Yes. See, the end of truth and knowing what is right and what is wrong is being united and joyful. But it's weird because you think, wait, doesn't truth divide? Yes, but it ultimately unites. Because here's the rub. Think about it this way. When you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you love your neighbors yourself, it will only take you so far. I mean, you can, you can speak that truth and love on people at that point. I mean, case in point is going to be this weekend, June the 10th. We will have a cookout. And if it works like it usually does, uh, we will feed people, and we will love on people, and we will care about people like we always do. And there were people that are not like us there, and there will be people that don't believe like us there. But we will still feed on them. And, and, and most of them will experience, or all of them probably, will, experience, will enjoy the experience. Some people will eat, and they'll leave no problem. There's some... But here's the thing, some people will get what we're about and they will have more questions. This is why we do these kind of things. But at some point, people are going to realize that I'm not just somebody that smokes ribs. 
but I'm a pastor. And at some point, they're going to realize it's not just a black party, but our church has hosted it. And it's not a bait and switch. It's not what we're trying to do. We're showing them genuine love, and, we're, and, and, and they will be confronted at some point as they get to know us with the fact that some of them believe the way we believe, and some of them hate what we believe. And we're not going to try to force it. That's the Holy Spirit's job to change people's hearts. But we're not going to pretend that we don't believe what we believe or apologize for it. And there's a way to speak the truth in love and live the truth in love. And this is what John is getting at here. Why would we do that? Why would we, why would we speak our mind and not apologize for it? Not because we want to divide. Not because we view ourselves better than them. But because by the grace of God, we have found something in life, a better way of life, the word of life, Jesus. And John is saying in the last verse, one pathway leads to joy, but the lies that we believe in the past and the other people are believing, and that we even tend to believe now, lead to anxiety and depression and death. But we love Jesus and the truth and others enough to tell them the truth and to tell ourselves the truth as we go through that process. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And as much as we and the people around us, like John, in his day, don't want to think that that's a reality sometimes, Jesus is the word of life. One path is a path of joy. One's to death. And if we look around us, we want more from people in what we've encountered in Jesus. Think about that as we come to communion today. Let's pray. Father God, may we not, as we contemplate these words, err two ways. First of all, help us to stop being so apathetic toward sharing the truth with others or fearful. But in another way, Lord, help us to not be so arrogant about it. Lord, there's somewhere in between that you sent your son that lived life in such a way that he said, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. I'm not here to judge, but to love you, to save you, but not to sugarcoat it. Lord, thank you for that model that you've given us in Jesus. Thank you for his witness that John is sharing here. And help us to be people of truth and love. Give us wisdom. There's so many voices in the world that are crying out falsehoods to us. Lord, help us to be savvy. Help us to be... Uh, Wise as serpents and harmless as doves, as you say in your scripture. And Lord, give us the power to do that, knowing that we cannot do it on our own. Give us boldness, but also give us compassion in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.